Hey, welcome to Real Life, and thanks for joining us this morning. If you've been with us online for the last 13 Sundays, uh, you'll notice that today's service is going to be a little bit different. First of all, um, we're in a different location. We gave all of our band and tech people the weekend off. Uh, you might not know this, but they have worked more hours since coronavirus started, uh, putting the service together and making sure it's as good as we can get it. Uh, spent more hours doing that uh, in the last 13 weeks than they did when we just had church on Sunday. So a uh, huge shout out to all of our band and tech people for making all of that stuff happen and Amber for doing all her lessons as well. Uh, we wanted to give the band and tech folks the weekend off, so it's going to be different. As you watch, uh, you'll notice that the band is not quick change experts. We just pulled some recordings from the past several weeks, and that's where we're going to get the music from today. We're also going to do communion and offering a little different. We're going to put those at the end of the service instead of in the middle where they normally are. And hopefully you'll see that uh, by the time we get there, everything will be connected and will flow nicely. And so hope that change actually is a benefit to worship this morning and not a distraction for you. I want to thank you again for joining us. We'll be, we will be taking communion at the end of the service today. And so if you've got something to eat or something to drink, you want to have that handy, you'll be ready when we get to that point. And one last thing, as always, we hope that you hear from God today and not just from us. I was running and broken hearted Always thinking so fast I couldn't last Falling apart and You gotta find a way Living me there I'm ashamed Living me part of my pain But you made a better way I've been saved Goodbye to the sinner I'm held by the Father above No more shame Crawled out of the desert And drowned in the power of love Amazing grace my soul set free Ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again, born again Washed by the water on me My eyes have been open, you're showing me All of my love and a new light Every step, every breath Like it's the first time You've got to find a way Living me there, I'm ashamed Living me part of my pain But you made a better way I've been saved, goodbye to the sinner, I'm held by the Father above. No more shame, crawled out of the desert and drowned in the power of love. Amazing grace, my soul set free, ain't no grid got a hold on me. I'm born again, born again, washed by the water I'm clean. Richard told me the good, good news. Sinner, I'm held by the Father above. No more shame, crawled out of the desert and drowned in the power of love. Amazing grace, my soul set free. Ain't 
ain't no grave got a hold on me I'm born again, born again Washed by the water I'm clean Amazing grace, my soul set free Ain't no grave got a hold on me Born again, born again, once by the water I'm clean. There were walls between us. Cross, you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name, and then my heart came alive. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me Your love is greater, your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me Feel the darkness shaking All the dead are coming back to life I'm back to life Hear the song awaken All creation singing We're alive Cause you're alive You called me out of the grave You called me into the light You called my name And then my heart came alive Your love is greater Your love is stronger Your love awakens Awakens, awakens me Your love is greater your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me And what a love we found Death can't hold us down We shouted out, we're alive Cause you're alive And what a love we found Death can't hold us down We shouted out, we're alive Cause you're alive And what a love we found Death can't hold us down we shout it out, we're alive, cause you're alive. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger. Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me Your love is greater, your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me Your love awakens me Your love is greater, your love is stronger Your love awakens, awakens, awakens me
I want to start off with this question this morning. Do you know how God grows his church? I'll give you a minute. No, I'm not really going to give you a minute, but you might have had some things pop into your mind. Maybe not. Let me just share with you kind of how real life began. Uh, real life, like most church plants, began with a pastor and our decision to plant a church here in El Dorado. So most church plants begin with a preacher or a pastor deciding to plant a church. Uh, having a good band really helps. Having good children's programming really helps to grow a church. Having AC in the summer and heat in the winter really help to grow a church. But none of those can account for sustained growth of a church. And so I'm going to drop the bottom line on you right now, right up front this morning, and it's this. Jesus' kingdom only grows when Jesus' people go. So over the last several weeks, we've been looking closely at the book of Acts, and we'll continue that for the next two weeks. We've been looking at Acts in the New Testament in this series called Unstoppable. And the church really began on the day of Pentecost when it was born, the Holy Spirit comes and Peter and the other disciples begin to preach. And the Jews that day who heard Peter's message, well, they received the message in faith and joy that Peter preached. And then uh, because they had received that message, they responded to it by being baptized. And then they gathered together in dynamic and loving community um, where they were able together to resist the temptation of Satan to pull away from God and from uh, others, from the world around them. Today, we're going to talk about how none of the things, the persecution and other things that went on in the church, were able to stop the church um, as Satan intended. Instead, the persecution of the church actually released these people, believers, uh, to share Jesus in brand new places. And so one of the interesting phenomena in the book of Acts is that it follows the missionary journeys of only a few individuals, but the vast majority of what Holy Spirit was doing to grow the church, not just in Jerusalem and Israel, but in the world, was happening when no apostle was present at all. In nearly every place that the major apostles went, Peter and Paul in the book of Acts, the church was already there. It was carried on the feet and the lips of ordinary believers who left Jerusalem and Israel because of the persecution, and wherever they ended up, they simply had casual conversations on street corners and in markets where they told people about Jesus. Now, Jesus' last words on earth to his apostles before he went back to the Father were these, As you go, make disciples of all nations. But up to this point in the book of Acts, no one was really going. They were all kind of staying and enjoying the favor of all the people. But Satan wasn't about to let that go unchallenged for very long. And so in Acts chapter 7, a man named Stephen becomes the first Christian martyr. Stephen was stoned to death, not for a crime, not even for his protest against the Jewish leaders, but because a group of men didn't like what he was saying. And so they persuaded others to lie about what they had heard Stephen say. Let's just read some of this and what happens after that in chapter 8 of the book of Acts. It starts out in verse 1 this way. Saul approved of their killing him. 
And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put those who had been scattered, um, and those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. As individuals and families moved into other cities and countries because of the persecution in Jerusalem, they shared their faith in Jesus in these new places. And so Jesus' kingdom grew as a direct result of Satan's attempt to destroy it. I bet that made Satan mad. Mark gives us an example of what he talks about here, that as they were scattered, they preached the word wherever they went through a guy named Philip. So here's what it says in uh, beginning in verse 5, and there's a big section of scripture, but it's kind of broken up, so let's just go through. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace. That's the queen of the Ethiopians. In some versions, it might say Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now that's a really strange thing because this is an Ethiopian who was a follower of God because of the stories that he had heard about what God had done for, for the Jews from rescuing them from Egypt and uh, going through the Red Sea and all of those miracles. He had come to faith. So let's continue. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so Philip ran to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And so he asked, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized. Because of the persecution in the, of the church in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now I think the reason persecution has been so beneficial in helping the church spread is that persecution forces us as followers to determine what we actually believe about Jesus and whether or not we're willing to sacrifice ourselves for Jesus. But I want to suggest to you today that you don't have to wait for persecution to be productive in your witness. Now, persecution has been a major catalyst for growth, the growth of Jesus' kingdom around the world, but it doesn't have to be the main reason. We can be productive as witnesses for Jesus without any persecution at all if we're willing to sacrifice. And that's exactly what it will take. The only way for us to help every person possible find real life in Jesus, that's the first part of our mission here at Real Life, is for every person present to personally sacrifice for Jesus and personally share Jesus. So let's look a little closer at Philip's experience in Samaria as he listened to what God had to say. Philip had left Jerusalem and headed north to Samaria. And I like the way that Luke puts it in verse 5. He said that Philip went there to proclaim the Messiah. But that's not really um, the only thing, right? I mean, Philip actually was leaving Jerusalem because of the persecution. 
And so if Philip had a family, he surely took them. When he got to Samaria, he would need to find work and he would need to buy a home and a whole host of other things that accompany moving to a new place, a new city, in a new nation where you actually are the minority now. But Luke doesn't mention any of those things. He just says, Philip went there to proclaim the Messiah. Now, what if that simple statement was how you and I lived our lives every day? Instead of saying, I have to go to work today or I have to go to work tomorrow, what if we thought, I'm going to Pioneer Balloon to proclaim the Messiah? I'm going to Eldorado High or Butler to proclaim the Messiah there. I'm going to Dillon's to proclaim the Messiah there. I'm going to the football game this weekend to proclaim the Messiah there. Now, I, I know what you're thinking because I had the same thought too. I don't want to stand up in my seat at the Cowboys game and shout to everybody that they need to receive Jesus. But that's not really what I'm talking about here. That's certainly not what Philip experienced. Just this simple change of our thoughts, though, that wherever I'm going today and whoever I meet and whatever I end up doing, I'm doing it as a witness for Jesus that can keep our focus on growing Jesus' kingdom. It doesn't mean standing on the street corner with a sandwich board that says um, repent or, or burn. That's not what Philip did. And let me give you an example of, like just everyday example of this from my own life this past week. When Andy and I moved to our new home a year and a half ago, one of the first things that I did was remove a couple of trees that were out in the front yard. Um, they were trees that had like big thorns on them. And I was like, who in the world would plant a tree with big thorns on it uh, in their front yard? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I cut them down. One of the very first things I did and hauled off all of the wood. But for the last year and a half, there have been stumps in the front yard that I've had to mow around and they just have looked really ugly. On top of that, those stumps, the roots have remained and they've sent up little sucker trees all over the yard and it really makes me unhappy. So last Sunday, just a little before noon, I told Andy, I'm gonna go to the rental place and I'm gonna get a stump grinder and I've gotta get there and get that done before noon. And so I took off to go do that. I got back home. Um, I was there maybe 11.30, I got home or something and I got right to work, started grinding those stumps out. It took me about an hour to do the stumps here at our house. And as I was getting ready to load the grinder back onto the trailer where it was going to sit until Monday morning because the rental place was closed uh, until then, and so I had it for the rest of the day, God just put this thought in my head. Um, I've already paid for this grinder. What if I just go down the block and ask people at their houses if they've got any stumps that need to be ground? And, and what if I do that and don't charge them anything to take out those stumps? Well, I started with Joshua, our neighbor right across the street. He had three stumps and I took those out pretty quick. Uh, and then I just started going down the house. I went to Stephen Teresa's house. Now, um, I didn't know it was Stephen Teresa's house because I hadn't met them before. Um, but they didn't have any stumps. But I ended up having a 20-minute conversation with them um, on their front porch just because I had gone up to ask about that. 
Now, I could talk about Kristen, and I could talk about Diane, and I could talk about John, all who I met as I just went from door to door uh, asking people if they had stumps that I could uh, grind up for them. Um, I was out there uh, grinding stumps for folks in the neighborhood uh, for um, uh, about five hours. I think I was on stump number nine. And I was exhausted. I'd been out during just the heat of the day and uh, I, I was ready to be done. In fact, I was grinding that last, uh, that ninth stump and just thinking, okay, I'm gonna put it on the trailer. I'm gonna go back home, I'm gonna take a shower and I can just relax the rest of the evening. But as I uh, loaded the grinder back up in the trailer and I got in my truck, God just kind of put this other thought in my head. And I just had this sense like, I know you're tired, but the sun is still up and you've still got this grinder um, that's paid for already. What if there's just one more house? And so even though I was tired and I was ready to go home, I just thought, okay, if there's one more stump, if there's one more house, I'll go ahead and take care of it. So as I drove up the street to turn the truck and the trailer around and come back to the house, I saw only one more yard with a couple stumps out in front. So I pulled around, I parked in front of the house, and I went up to the door and I uh, gave them my, shmeel, my spiel. Hey, uh, I'm your neighbor, Corey. I lived in the blue house down there on the corner. Um, I rented this uh, stump grinder for the day and I, I noticed you got a couple stumps in your front yard. I'd be happy to remove those for you. The machine does tear up the grass a little bit, but you'll have your stumps removed and I'll do that free of charge. But I added this at the last house. At my church, they talk about um, loving and serving others like Jesus. And so I just thought this was a way that I could do that. Well, lady there at the door agreed and I got to work. This week, I'm having coffee with that neighbor to engage further. Now, I need to confess to you that it didn't occur to me until the last house to say something about my church and, and, what I, and that I was doing this for Jesus. I'm hoping that the five hours I spent grinding stumps, taking out a tree, doing a little painting for another neighbor and several short conversations will lead to greater relationship on our block and greater opportunity to share Jesus. And so look, if you want to know how to proclaim Jesus wherever you go, in the daily uh, grind, uh, pun intended, that you go through, um, I have three simple steps that I am learning to use uh, to do this. The, the first step is simply to listen. Listen, listen to God first, and then listen to those who are around you. That's what Philip did. God told him to go south to the road, and because Philip listened, he met this Ethiopian, and it was then that, that, that Philip heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. Now, had Philip not listened to God, he would have never been on the road that day, uh, and the story would have ended there. The Ethiopian would have never heard about Jesus. Now, had I chosen to go back inside last Sunday and avoid the sun and enjoy some time off, I would have missed the opportunity to meet my neighbors and had stopped um, at, at, and if I had stopped at five, as I intended, I would have missed out on the one conversation that led to another chance to build greater relationship. But I'll tell you one more thing. 
The reason I was able to hear God last Sunday was because I had been praying for a way to engage my neighbors. Had the Holy Spirit not led me to pray that prayer, I probably would have not been listening enough to hear it when God gave me that direction. So ask God to lead you and then listen for his direction. Now, it may not be something super fun for you, but I guarantee you that the results of that are going to be honoring to God. So first, listen to what God has to say. The second thing you need to do is you got you to gotta leap. You got to jump. You got to go for it. You can listen to God all day long, and that's great for you. And we grow when we listen to God. But you'll never be his witness unless you actually do what he's been leading you to do. So Philip had to listen about where to go, but he had to take a leap when he asked, do you understand what you're reading? Now, your leap will probably look different than Philip's and different than mine. It, it may be a question um, like this. Hey, I heard about what happened to your family member. Do you want to talk? Can I pray with you? Can I tell my church about what's going on? Or, or maybe in light of the current um, cultural tension around us, you might ask somebody this. Hey, would you just um, have a cup of coffee with, coffee with me and tell me about uh, your experience with racial discrimination? Maybe it's not a question, but you hear of someone in need, and so you take the leap to help. Maybe it's a mission trip uh, that, that you feel like God is, is telling you to go on. You have to take the leap to go on that. Or maybe, maybe it's God leading somebody else, and you're going to take the leap to help them accomplish what God is doing in their life. Every leap looks different, but it's the leap that we take that actually leads to a productive witness for Jesus. Looking more like Jesus every day doesn't just um, mean from afar. Um, at some point, you're going to have to sound like Jesus too, and that happens up close. gets a little more challenging as well. So we got to listen. We got to leap. Thirdly, we got to love. If our listening and leaping aren't motivated by love, then like, what is it good for? Whatever the first two steps look like in your context, if they don't come from a place of love, love for God and then love for others, they won't amount to much. Like you'll still be doing good deeds, right? And that's nice. But we're not serving God simply to amass enough good deed points for him to let us into his heaven. We've joined a kingdom. And we've accepted a call and a charge to be Jesus' witnesses. And so the result of Philip listening and then taking the leap from a place of love was that this Ethiopian received the message that, that, that uh, Philip had to share. He responded to that message of Jesus and hope in him and was baptized. And, and really, you and I today probably have more in common with the Ethiopian than we do with Philip. See, Philip was released by God from Jerusalem because of the persecution that was happening to proclaim Jesus in Samaria. But after the Ethiopian believed and was baptized, he was released back to his country where no one believed in the God of the Hebrews. Philip left hostile territory. This man was heading into it. And so maybe in your neighborhood or at your place of business or at your school, you feel like you're in hostile territory. You've been released in that context to listen to God, to take the leap, and to do that from a place of love. So here's the deal about Jesus' kingdom and its survival. 
We know that Satan is out to destroy the church. He's been trying to do that from the very beginning. And if we fail to seize the moments, seize these moments, we'll fail to sustain this movement. If we fail to seize these moments, we'll fail to sustain this movement. You know, the church in Acts didn't continue to grow because of the amazing strategic planning sessions that the apostles had around a big table. It grew because of persecution. Persecution did to the church what wind does to seeds. It scatters them to produce a bigger harvest. These ordinary individuals, empowered by Holy Spirit, accepted the responsibility and the opportunity to be witnesses for Jesus. No formal schooling or training. They just listened to the still small voice of God and then they took the leap because they loved God and they loved others. Real life hasn't met together in the Civic Center for 13 Sundays today. Yet Satan has uh, not managed to destroy the church here in El Dorado or the capital C church around the world. But if the church is going to continue to be a light to our world here in Kansas and the world as a whole, its people must be released to take Jesus with them wherever they go. And that can happen through persecution or it can happen when we each determine to personally sacrifice for Jesus and personally share Jesus. Churches don't grow because of dynamic pastors. They grow because of dedicated people sacrificing. Um, sacrificing to do things like come in early and set up so others can, can come and worship um, in comfort and in appealing environments. They grow because individuals sacrifice to be in the nursery or be in kids' church, loving on babies or teaching in kids' church so that dads and moms can worship without the distraction of their children um, and, and no distractions uh, around for others as well. See, Jesus' kingdom only grows when Jesus' people go. And that doesn't have to be overseas. It can be to church early. <laughs> It could be going um, by staying up late or, or giving uh, up one Sunday a month to serve with kids or to help greet or serve drinks. But listen, if we're not personally willing to sacrifice, to listen to God, to take the leap and to do that out of love, to go, to serve, then Satan will succeed in his goal to destroy the church. And so here's my encouragement today. Let's be productive in our faith, even when there's no persecution. Look, we talk a lot at Real Life about looking more like Jesus. And, and if that's our goal, we need to understand what it means to look like Jesus. Here's what Paul said about that in Philippians chapter 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The goal of Jesus' sacrifice comes in verse 11 of that chapter when it says that every tongue would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When we take communion, we're remembering Jesus' sacrifice for us. 
but we're also reminded of how we're to sacrifice for others, that they too would come to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, just as we have. So as we take communion today, see it as your own acknowledgement of Jesus as the Lord of your life, but also see it as a challenge to help others come to that realization as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us so much that you would send your son to the cross for us. But God, we thank you for the obedience and the example that we have of obedience through Jesus as he was willing to suffer so much, to sacrifice so much for us. And God, honestly, you've asked us then to sacrifice in accordance with his, his example, to listen to how you're working in our lives and the lives of others and, and to leap even if it means sacrifice and to do that out of our love for you and our love for others. And so God, today we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that he paid the price for our sin so that we could be in relationship with you. And God, we want other people to experience that relationship as well. And so, um, as we remember this today, would we also remember our call to sacrifice our lives for the same cause that Christ did, for the glory of your kingdom, and that every tongue and tribe and nation would come to acknowledge your son Jesus and be present with you on the day he returns. We ask that that would happen and it would begin with us in Jesus' name, amen. If you've got something to eat or drink right now, we invite you to join with us as we remember that the body was offered, Jesus' body was offered and his blood was shed to pay the price for our sin and make us sons and daughters of God.
gifts and talents. You know, not everybody can um, teach kids. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody feels comfortable enough with people to be a part of the welcome team. But we can all sacrifice. We can all help the church as a whole be productive by being generous. Generosity doesn't mean that you're able to write a huge check to the church. In fact, sometimes those who give the most can actually be the least generous. It's weird, I know. Um, But generosity isn't judged by the size of the gift. It's judged by the condition of the heart and the size of what's left after the gift. Jesus said that the woman who put the two copper coins in just a few cents into the offering was actually more generous than all the people who went before her that put large sums of money into the offering bins. She was generous because she gave out of her need instead of out of her excess. When you give to real life, you help us help others find real life in Jesus. Um, And and guess what? That's really a, a two birds kind of scenario. You help us help others, 
And then by doing that, you help yourself look more like Jesus because he was generous. And so as we um, are generous, we look more like Jesus, and then that generosity helps other people find real life in, in him, and then that just continues. And so we invite you to give like Jesus today. You just click the give blue, the, the give, you just click the blue give button in the chat window at live.reallifecc.us or click the orange give button in the bottom right hand corner on any page of our website at reallifecc.us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being a generous God and um, you were generous when you sent your son uh, to die on the cross for us as we just remembered during communion. You're generous in the gifts that you give us and the friends that we have around us. You're generous in, in this church body that we have and our friends and our family that call real life home. You're going to be generous to us next week as we come together again for in-person worship. Um, God, you continue to give to us because you love us. And so help us to adopt that attitude of generosity as well and to give sacrificially to you so that we look more like your son and so that more and more people can find real life in him just like we have. We ask that that would happen, God, that you would give us this city for the glory and the honor and the sake of your son, Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Grace says that it doesn't matter Cause the cross already won the war He's greater, he's greater 
to make us me love it more and more. It's greater, it's greater. There'll be days I'll lose the battle, Grace says, but it doesn't matter because the cross already won the war. It's greater, it's greater. I am learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me and it makes me love it more and more. It's greater, it's greater. Cause I hear a voice and he calls me redeemed. When others say I'll never be enough. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. In the world. In the world. And greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. There'll be days I'll lose the battle. Grace says that it doesn't matter. Cross already won the war. It's greater, it's greater. I am learning to run freely, understanding just how he sees me, and it makes me love him more and more. My God is greater than he who is living in the world. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this week that you are more productive in your witness and that you see yourself as a witness for Jesus who's been released into your job, your neighborhood, your community, and into your whole world, knowing that as you go, Jesus' kingdom will grow. I hope to see you next Sunday, either in person at 201 East Central or online at live.reallifecc.us. Both of those services will happen at 10 a.m., and I hope to see you there.